Konnichiwa, my story-loving friends, and welcome to the Folksy Podcast. In this episode, we revisit a mythological setting to dip into the origin story. Every legend has a beginning, after all. And today, we will be digging into Japan's in Myths and Legends of Japan. This 1912 title was penned by Frederick Hadland Davis, yet another white man hoping to bring the Oriental culture to Western masses. So be ready for a bit of condescension, contemplative comparisons, and a curious lack of curiosity regarding customs. The stories we explore today come from the period of the gods, a term that I'll explore a little bit more after we're through with the tales themselves. So yeah, let's get to the tale. In the beginning. We are told that in the very beginning, heaven and earth were not yet separated, and the in and yo not yet divided. This reminds us of other cosmogony stories. The in and yo, corresponding to the Chinese yang and yin, were the male and female principles. It was more convenient for the old Japanese writers to imagine the coming into being of creation in terms not very remote from their own manner of birth. In Polynesian mythology, we find pretty much the same conception, where Rangi and Papa represented heaven and earth, and further parallels may be found in Egyptian and other cosmogony stories. In nearly all, we find the male and female principles taking a prominent and after all very rational place. We are told in the Nihongi that these male and female principles formed a chaotic mass like an egg which was of obscurely defined limits and contained germs. Eventually, this egg was quickened into life and the purer and clearer part was drawn out and formed heaven while the heavier element settled down and became earth, which was compared to the floating of a fish sporting on the surface of the water. A mysterious form resembling a reed shoot suddenly appeared between heaven and earth, and as suddenly became transformed into a god called Kunitokotachi, land eternal stand of August thing. We may pass over the other divine births until we come to the important deities known as Izanagi and Izanami, or the male who invites and female who invites. About these beings has been woven an entrancing myth. Izanagi and Izanami Izanagi and Izanami stood on the floating bridge of heaven and looked down into the abyss. They inquired of each other if there were a country far, far below the great floating bridge. They were determined to find out. In order to do so, they thrust down a jewel spear and found the ocean. Raising the spear a little, water dripped from it, coagulated and became the island of Onogorojima, spontaneously congealed island. Upon this island, the two deities descended. Shortly afterwards, they desired to become husband and wife, though as a matter of fact, they were brother and sister. But such a relationship in the East has never precluded marriage. These deities accordingly set up a pillar on the island. Izanagi walked round one way 
and Izanami the other. When they met, Izanami said, How delightful! I have met with a lovely youth. One would have thought that this naive remark would have pleased Izanagi. But it made him extremely angry. And he retorted, I am a man and by that right should have spoken first. How is it that on the contrary thou, a woman, shouldst have been the first to speak? This is unlucky. Let us go around again. So it happened that the two deities started afresh. Once again they met, and this time Izanagi remarked, How delightful! I have met a lovely maiden. Shortly after this very ingenuous proposal, Izanagi and Izanami were married. When Izanami had given birth to islands, seas, rivers, herbs and trees, she and her lord consulted together, saying, We have now produced the great eight island country with the mountains, rivers, herbs and trees. Why should we not produce someone who shall be the lord of the universe? The wish of these deities was fulfilled, for in due season, Amaterasu, the sun goddess, was born. She was known as Heaven Illumine of Great Deity, and was so extremely beautiful that her parents determined to send her up the ladder of heaven, and in the high sky above to cast forever her glorious sunshine upon the earth. Their next child was the moon god, Sukiyumi. His silver radiance was not so fair as the golden effulgence of his sister, the sun goddess, but he was nevertheless deemed worthy to be her consort. So up the ladder of heaven climbed the moon god. They soon quarreled and Amaterasu said, Thou art a wicked deity. I must not see thee face to face. They were therefore separated by a day and night and dwelt apart. The next child of Izanagi and Izanami was Suzanu, or the impetuous male. We shall return to Suzanu and his doings later on, and content ourselves for the present with confining our attention to his parents. Izanami gave birth to the fire god Kagusuchi. The birth of this child made her extremely ill. Izanagi knelt on the ground, bitterly weeping and lamenting. But his sorrow availed nothing, and Izanami crept away into the land of Yomi, or Hades. Her lord, however, could not live without her, and he too went into the land of Yomi. When he discovered her, she said regretfully, My lord and husband, why is thy coming so late? I have already eaten of the cooking furnace of Yomi. Nevertheless, I am about to lie down to rest. I pray thee do not look at me. Izanagi, moved by curiosity, refused to fulfill her wish. It was dark in the land of Yomi, so he secretly took out his many-toothed comb, broke off a piece and lighted it. The sight that greeted him was ghastly and horrible in the extreme. His once beautiful wife had now become a swollen and festering creature. Eight varieties of thunder gods rested upon her. The thunder of the fire, earth and mountain were all there, leering upon him 
and roaring with their great voices. Izanagi grew frightened and disgusted, saying, I have come unawares to a hideous and polluted land. His wife retorted, Why didst thou not observe that which I charged thee? Now I am put to shame. Izanami was so angry with her lord for ignoring her wish and breaking in upon her privacy that she sent the eight ugly females of Yomi to pursue him. Izanagi drew his sword and fled down the dark regions of the underworld. As he ran, he took off his headdress and flung it to the ground. It immediately became a bunch of grapes. When the ugly females saw it, they bent down and ate the luscious fruit. Izanami saw them pause and deemed it wise to pursue her lord herself. By this time, Izanagi had reached the even pass of Yomi. Here, he placed a huge rock and eventually came face to face with Izanami. One would scarcely have thought that amidst such exciting adventures, Izanagi would have solemnly declared a divorce. But this is just what he did do. To this proposal, his wife replied, My dear lord and husband, if thou sayest so, I will strangle to death the people in one day. This plaintive and threatening speech in no way influenced Izanagi, who readily helped, who readily replied that he would cause to be born in one day no less than 1500. The above remark must have proved conclusive, for when we next hear of Izanagi, he had escaped from the land of Yomi, from an angry wife, and from the eight ugly females. After his escape, he was engaged in copious ablutions, by way of purification, from which numerous deities were born. We read in the Nihongi, after this, Izanagi, his divine task having been accomplished and his spirit career about to suffer a change, built himself an abode of gloom in the island of Ahaji, where he dwelt forever in silence and concealment. And so ends another tale. This collection, Myths and Legends of Japan, uh, it draws heavily in both content and inspiration from Japan's earliest written works. Specifically, it rips off the Kojiki and the Nihongi, the two oldest books of classical Japanese history. Today's tale actually contains details from the start of both these titles, as the origin story, the period of the gods, remains pretty consistent. Where the Kojiki is mainly myths and legends, the Nihongi or Nihon Shoki goes on to retell events till the 8th century. Written in the 7th century AD, these titles are still helping historians and archaeologists who are trying to decipher and untangle the nation's early history. Musical credits go to our friend Prod by Ridiman for his amazing beat Leaving Reality. Apt title for this episode too. Well, that's it for this episode. Come back next week as we take a spin in the Philippines. For now, this is your host, Izer, signing off. <laughs>